0: Welcome to our podcast series on the new shape of work. I'm Kate Bravery, Head of Advisory and Insights. And today I'm joined by two of our Mercer experts. They're helping clients with their future work agendas. Our global talent trend study showed that redesigning work, working, and the workforce is a top priority for all this year. So I'm particularly excited to welcome leaders from our talent and transformation practices Ravin Jasutherson, Global Transformation Leader at Mercer, and Brian Fisher, Solution Lead for Jobs and Skills, also here at Mercer. Welcome, both of you. Ravan, I wonder if we can kick off with you. Um, from the client conversations and the work your team is doing at the current time, What want to hear you hearing some of the pressing issues with regard to adapting to the new shape of work and, and some of the big challenges our clients are tackling.
1: Yeah, Kate, um, I, I think there are a number of things that our clients are really wrestling with. Um, firstly, is it's just this trend around digitalization that we've seen, you know, Satya Nadella said, if, in 2020 that we've seen a two-year trend in digitalization get realized in two months. And the impact on the future of work, actually, is far more profound because it's the combination of digitalization and this other force called the democratization of work. So our growing ability to decouple work from its traditional confines of space, time, and structure. And it's the combination of the two that have really driven the future of work forward. And as everyone can relate to these discussions that we've been having about hybrid and remote and what is the right model look like going forward, I think is is a key part of it. But the other key narrative um, is is just around ESG um, and it's growing importance as it relates to how an organization not just represents itself externally, but also internally. Um, And the growing importance as the three of us know For the workforce in engaging with an organization that is relatable. So, I I think those are the big three issues that organizations are wrestling with.
0: Great to hear you discuss that. And I absolutely agree with you. Being relevant in this time is through those eyes of different stakeholders. And I think. Most of the organizations we're speaking to are absolutely trying to embed ESG and DNI into that transformation agenda. Of course, making progress on it um, takes work. Um, Brian, you've been doing quite a lot of work with clients. I wonder if we could just tackle that, that first thing Ravin brought up about accelerating digitization. Um, what are some of the things that companies need to be doing alongside that to make sure that their cultures are ready to adopt some of these new ways of working?
2: good question. and And we actually you know ask ask about this in the global talent trends from the standpoint of what are some of the challenges to accelerate into the future? and and what what we know from that study is you know are two two top things. Number one, too many competing priorities. And this isn't a surprise. In addition to the future of work, the Robin commented, uh, companies put dozens upon hundreds. Of legacy projects on hold during the height of the pandemic, and now they're trying now 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 they're picking them back up. And number two, employee exhaustion and burnout. And so, of course, uh, halting transformation is not an option. So organizations are needing to focus on the critical few, which requires them to align on the top priorities across the firm, and also keep a pulse on energy levels of their employees. Um, and in order to drive change into transformation. They need to uh, establish local change champions uh, to more effectively support that
0: change. It's so interesting because the technology sort of promised it's gonna make your life easier, but getting from here to there can make it tough in the transition. Um, So a lot of work for us to do in the transformation and change space. Um, Ravin, I know your book has just come out, uh, Work Without Jobs, which is very exciting. And in that, you talk a lot about how we need to move to that new work operating system to underpin some of this tech transformation and to speed up agility. I wonder if you want to say a few words about why you see that as so vital for companies to get right this year.
1: Yeah, Kate, you know, uh, the reason John Boudreau and I wrote that book was that we, as we've looked at the evolution of work, some of the forces and trends we've just talked about here, you know, we've just came out feeling and seeing that leaders really needed a new work operating system that better supports their high degree of organizational agility required to thrive amid increasingly rapid change and disruption along the lines of what we've talked about and that the you know and that better reflects the fluidity of modern work and work arrangements and it we feel that the shift towards skills being the currency of work really requires the capacity to perpetually reinvent work and, frankly, perpetually reinvent oneself in order to stay relevant for this continuously evolving nature of work that we're that we uh, we're going to continue to experience.
0: Ryan, skills being the currency of work is absolutely home ground for you. Uh, I know that uh, we've been talking a lot about how organisations can deliver a skills edge this year. I wonder if you wanted to share some words around how skills are being baked into that new operating model that Ravin was speaking about. And if you see any industries striding ahead this year.
2: Yeah, um, well, for sure, they're actually, uh, clients are are leveraging technology in order to advance, uh, you know, advance into the skills world. And, and just like the technology acceleration and future work that we've discussed, that same that same uh technology acceleration has has made hr technology landscape boom right and the astute employers they're benefiting you know as an example ai is being applied to vast data sets that are available today right there's plenty of data to be had application tracking systems learning management systems internal and external worker profiles and the list goes on but the key the key is to harness the power of that data for your needs, right? For your clients' needs, for your company's needs. Um, and according to our global talent trend survey, you know, the three fastest growing areas of AI will one track the changing demand and value for skills, right? And so that does support workforce planning and pay-for-skill efforts. Number two, to improve talent management. So so how does AI? Uh, influence that? Well, frequently including nudges to employees based on, uh, you know, for their to support career choices or for leaders to support workers at moments that matter, right? It supports talent mobility, uh, you know, by by uh, establishing AI-supported talent marketplaces. And then number three is adding talent intelligence to the external hiring process. You know, that's really redefining Talent supply pools and improving so the selection process with uh, through using AI, and so while these are the the ways organizations are using technology to drive workforce changes, you asked about you asked about industries, and certainly what we know is ne- the necessity necessity is the mother of all invention, right? And so. Uh, we see some bright spots that were born out of challenges. Take hospitality, for instance, which was severely impacted during the early days of the pandemic. Uh, They're among the leaders, along with life sciences and pharma, financial services. These are all highly competitive, consumer-centric organizations. Some of the industries that have been slower uh, to move toward agile and skill-based practices are oftentimes highly regulated um, industries. Maybe they have a higher focus or above average focus on risk and safety, like healthcare or energy, um, or maybe they're overly complex like media or entertainment. So uh, the key thing is, is everybody's on board. It's a matter of the pace at which they're moving uh, into the future.
0: Brian, I haven't heard you use the word AI so much in one response. And I think it's reflective of what we do see in global talent trends just an explosion of talent intelligence in all forms is really exciting. And it's uh, really interesting to see that this year, HR is feeling so much more confident that they actually know what skills they have, um, which I think has been a a persistent problem for prior years. All right. Well, I think we've talked a lot about the need for agility and how technology, new operating models, and cultures need to come together um, to make that work. But Ravin, right at the beginning there, you talked about how important it was for organizations to be relatable and also to to weave in ESG and, and social responsibility. I'm wondering how the conflict between Russia and Ukraine is bringing some of these topics into sharp focus and how is that maybe impacting their HR agendas?
1: Yeah, Kate, that's a really good question. You know, um, we've certainly seen and we've been asked to comment on the near-term impact as it relates to the spike in oil prices and what that means for the return to office. Um, Because many of our clients, particularly in the large metropolitan areas like Los Angeles and Houston, um, have put some of their plans on hold because you've got the double whammy of, you know, high gas prices and traffic going back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, and so so that's been the near-term impact. I think the longer-term impact is for industries like oil and gas and automotive. There's been much discussion about what do we do with the stranded assets um, in terms of oil rigs that are no longer going to be used, um, uh, internal combustion engine manufacturing plants that need to be retooled. But I think equally, there is this notion of stranded talent. That you know, many are not you know, thinking about quite as um, as holistically as they need to. How do you retool that geologist? How do you retool that person who has designed um, you know carburetors? Uh, I guess carburetors are an old thing, but fuel injectors um, for a Ford or, or a General Motors. What do those reskilling pathways look like? And that I think is going to be a massive challenge. You know, as we transition to net zero. How do we bring the workforce along with us? You know, all the things Brian just talked about in terms of skills, but it it also means that we can't do what this world has become incredibly good at, which is disposing of things that we don't need. We can't do that without talent. And and because we also aren't talking about a small number of people, we're talking about millions and millions of people who have built up incredibly well-paying middle-class jobs in industries that now are going to be transformed and turned on their head.
0: So interesting to hear this discussion coming out of another crisis when only just a couple of years ago, we were talking about how AI and automation was gonna be impacting huge swathes of the population. Of course, that hasn't slowed down at the same time. So absolutely, we need to be much more planful around those pathways back to prosperity for those different groups. And as you know, Ravin and Global Talent Trends, we do see Um, some different attitudes to works across the different genders and different industries, which I think we need to feed into that redesign. All right, I would love to keep you on the line for much, much longer, but I know we're coming to the end of our time. Um, So maybe I can ask just for for one final comment from both of you. Um, If there was one thing that organizations and HR teams really need to crack this year, where do you think they'll get the best return for their focus? Brian, do you want to kick us off?
2: Sure. I, you know, I, I think that you know it's it's the race to build the healthiest talent marketplace, and so you know that that healthy talent marketplace is an environment where employers, where the employer can continually identify, develop, and deploy the skills right to, to meet some of the issues that Robin raised earlier. So, organization, where where are they, right? So let's let's build it, right? Many organizations need to start small with a single team, department, business, test and learn, use this as a proof of concept. So when, I've talked to, when I talk to companies, oftentimes a real success story in 2022 is establish a proof of concept in 2022, and that's going to take you a long way and pay dividends in future years.
0: And so important, as you were sharing earlier, some of those fatigue statistics and how people are depleted. Um, I think getting in, doing those quick tests and learns and being planned for will make a huge difference. Thank you, Brian. Ravin, bring us home.
1: Yeah, I'd build on what Brian said. I completely agree with that and go back to Kate, you know, what John and I have written about in terms of a new work operating system, because that talent marketplace, I think, is an absolutely pivotal foundational element. But I think it's it's really four things that HR leaders need to do as they shift to being becoming stewards of work, not just stewards of employment. You know, understanding the work, not just the jobs, ensuring that we are getting to the optimal combinations of humans and automation and in a sustainable way, ensuring that we've considered the full array of human work engagements, not just jobs or outsourcing, but all of the different ways in which talent can connect to work. And then creating the capacity to keep perpetually reinventing work so it's not a one-off big transformation but a mindset and a framework that ensures you're continually staying relevant and your workforce is staying relevant as well.
0: Well, I think a big part of ensuring that you've got enough adaptive capacity in your workforce is making sure that you are listening um, to enough of those outside signals and those experts in this area. So Brian and Ravin, thank you so much for sharing some of your thoughts today. Ravin, you mentioned your book a couple of times on the call. I wonder if you wouldn't mind just sharing where people can find that.
1: Yes, absolutely. The book is called Work Without Jobs. It's published by MIT Press and it's available on, on Amazon.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Brian Ravid, as I said, thank you for joining. Listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If today's conversation piqued your interest, please do visit mercer.com and you can hear how other companies are reshaping for the future of work. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you.